All right. What? Welcome to the Illuminati Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up. Uh, large crowd if you're not here. It's a super large crowd, hundreds of thousands. Uh, we don't make up numbers, I guess. Um, the only day numbers we make up involve the new logo. All right, take that out. I can't do that with Coach here. Is I that, can't do that. Is that tickets sold or in attendance? <laughs> hey, we're leaving that one in. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Gotta have a little fun tonight, guys. All right. Uh, that voice you hear is the CBI championship winning head coach of your USF men's basketball program, Brian Gregory. <laughs> Brian Gregory has been uh, kind enough to join us on the Bluminati podcast live from the patio in South Tampa. Appreciate the patio for having us. and. Uh, for you guys kind of bearing with us as we do this podcast. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Coach. Now, great great to be here. Um, kind of marks, you know, this is our first week of summer school. Uh, so we started workouts on Monday. Once the season ended, we weren't really able to do much uh, because we went right into finals. So good way to, to start off this is to, to be on this world-renowned podcast. <laughs> well, you, you flatter us. Uh, I mean... Let's let's just go back. Uh, how was you know winning that championship in in Chicago? I mean, it's it's big for this program. How how were the guys uh, after the game and prior to the you know game three and everything? Well, I think you got to go back three weeks earlier when we made the decision uh, to play in the in the CBI. Um, you know, it, it was a decision that you know with with sitting down with Michael Kelly that we thought was the best thing for our program is to play in that and um, you know to, to get the invitation and then to decide well if we're going to play in it let's get a couple home games out of it as well we've been so good at home and different things like that plus there was a thought process of playing at home of not missing any more classes because you end up missing a lot of classes during the uh, end of the regular season and different things like that so um that was the first really, really good move because it gave our guys an opportunity to experience what the postseason's all about. Um, when we were down 25 in the first half in the first game, it didn't look like a great decision, <laughs> yeah, to be I, honest with you. But to our guys' credit, they battled back and, and played well. And I thought you take a step back and you look at it, we played maybe our best basketball of the year at the end of the season which is something that you want because you had only two players and three players coming back from the team the year before. And for us to keep getting better during the year and to end it with a championship um, on someone else's home court, which was a challenge, um, to do it in Chicago where I grew up and, and different things like that, having so many Bulls fans there, it was, it was fantastic. And our guys understood the momentum that we started to kind of gain a little bit during it and i think they're going to use that all summer and all fall and in the next year coach uh what was the difference from a, a schematic perspective playing two out of three you know we see it in the nba all the time like we've seen a couple series even in the east in the eastern conference semis where it's like the adjustments really did make a difference what kind of adjustments did you end up making between game one and game three and how did the players react to that it, it, it was it was a challenge because i've coached for 29 years and never played anything like that um game two was really really physical and um the refs let us play and and 
um, we didn't respond well early and then did a great job in the second half of responding to it. But we just didn't make enough plays to, to get that win. But then we came back after that and, and able to show our guys two or three things, especially offensively, because they played us a lot of zone. And to be honest with you, in our league, we didn't see a lot of zone. Um, and we made a couple adjustments, and one of the big ones was putting David Collins in the middle of the of the high post there and letting him make some plays. And we saved it for the second half of that game. And it was, you know, because the first half, we could have threw the ball and it was going in. I mean, we made every shot the first 15 minutes, and then we got in some foul trouble. Second half, we moved David to the high post, and uh, it was very, very effective for us. So it was neat for me as a coach to kind of go through that. And our guys, the guys really responded well to it. And, you know, you, you it's it's different, um, but it, we talked to them about in the NCAA tournament. You know, you play one game, you get a day off, and then you you know you win that one, and then you got to play again. You only have one day to get ready, and we challenge them. Now we have one day to kind of make the adjustments, and we need to make sure that we execute those well. And our guys did a great job of that. And I think you know I I know you lost game two, but it might have been the play of the year, DC's dunk. You know, the steal goes down court and just stuffs one. Um, I think that's a gift that's going to go. That's a top 10 gift I've ever seen from a USF basketball player. That, that was a pretty good play because he gets the block first and then goes down. And it was interesting with David. He was banged up in the beginning of the year. Um, and we had the workout yesterday. I said, you're the only guy I know that actually was jumping better after 37 games than he was in game two. Because I had to remind him yeah. of the dunk he missed at the end of half against the Citadel. And you end up losing by one point. I got a mind like a steel trap. I don't forget that stuff. And he laughed about it. But that was just a, an unbelievable play by him. So we're of the mind if after that dunk, if you guys get a stop there, that series is over. Yeah, we probably win that. And unfortunately, I think, uh, God, we had a couple good looks at the three. Uh, and then JB had two wide open looks. And then finally Lex hit the one to tie it. But, um, you know, and give them credit. They, they, you know, one thing that our guys admitted, and you guys know because you guys have followed us, that was a Big East team in terms of the size and physicality. And, uh, you know, we're built for that a little bit. But I thought that, that the second game, once he got that dunk, if we were able to get a stop and a score, it would have been over. Was there a moment for you early in the season where you're like, all right, this is a different team. This is not uh, – we're going to be a lot better than maybe I thought we were in the summer and preseason. Was there a moment – like, right, I think we may have something here. Well, you know, I, I really like the, the guy's work ethic in the summer, but it was individual. And you just don't know when you put them all together. Um, and to our guys' credit, they, they really meshed well and, and really understood. Because we changed from how we played the year before, too. We put more pressure on the ball. We, we were more aggressive defensively. Offensively, um, we moved the ball better and, and wanted to play at a little faster pace. Um, it was, you know, offensive efficiency-wise and point-wise, it was, I think, the, the second highest scoring team that I've ever coached. But a lot of that was because of our defensive pressure and creating turnovers and steals. Um, but I, early in the year, you know, probably the Ohio and Georgetown game, you know, I got a feel that, you know, we had a chance to be pretty darn good. Um, but 
we hadn't been through anything together, and that was going to be the big challenge for us. You know, for that that Georgetown game, that that entire tournament, uh, you know, Lex kind of came out of his, came out and showed out. And I mean, if Georgetown doesn't hit that ridiculous shot, I I, I think that's when my mind kind of was like, all right, I think there might be something here. You get, they're putting something together. It's a lot better than it was last year for the last five years, honestly. And I think that Georgetown game was like kind of the spark for you guys, or at least for me, from sitting from the outside. Well, you know, I think fans and coaches. And you guys know sometimes when you have guys sitting out, they're never as good as the year that they sit out. Everybody talks about, well, when we get this guy or when we get this guy eligible next year, you guys have seen many years of that around here. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But LaQuincy was as good as advertised. Lex was as good as advertised. The incoming freshman, you know, Michael Durr, that, that, you, you know, just really got better throughout the whole year. And two years ago, no one thought he could play at this level. You know, so um, I think that was one of the, the things that you, you started to see is that those guys used that red shirt year, in particular LaQuincy and, and Lex, to their advantage, and they got better during that time. Coach, I you know, I, I was watching this team mostly from the stands this year. I didn't, you know, I'm not covering full-time anymore. But I did cover the game at Temple where LaQuincy played maybe the best game I've seen a USF point guard play in maybe a decade. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely lights out. But the thing that I think a lot of the fans have picked up on and that I can sort of verify from my limited interactions with the team, these are good kids. You know, this is a really nice group. Um, they they just seem like they really get along. Even after a, a brutal loss in overtime, you could see them. They're picking each other up. They were talking, you know, thinking about what's going on in the future, um, the way that they interact with each other, with their coaches, with the staff. It, it, you've built a group that's not just really good on the floor, but they're more so than any USF team that I had seen. These are really good kids that represent the community well. It, you know, and we got part of it is luck a little bit. Sure. Because in that first recruiting class in the spring you know we get the job and you got to sign nine guys and then the next class you got to sign seven guys so you don't get to maybe know those guys as well we knew the second class better than the first class but you know and i stole it from the football coach at washington okgs our kind of guys and we wanted to recruit the toughest kids we could find that were high character guys. And we brought them all on visits. And one interesting thing is every single one of those kids, except for Alexis, and he came with his a mentor, everyone made a visit with their parents. So we got to spend time with their families on those visits as well to kind of vet to make sure that they were as good as we thought they were as, as people. And you made a great point, you know, um, I said it in our kind of banquet at the end of the year. We'll sit in the, in the pregame meal or in our meals in the hotels, and we can't get those guys to shut up. <laughs> they sit around and they talk and talk. And the one thing that's noticeable, guys, is they're never sitting at the same table with the same guys. There's no clicks. There's no, you know, everybody's moving around. And, one, and it's really good to see. And that... It's very important. You know, everybody, the the term culture, everybody talks about that. But that's, you know, what you believe and how you behave. And our guys have 
really done a good job of buying into what's important to us in that. I've been around USF basketball for about 20 years now. And this group, I mean, and this is not a slight on our past teams and our past kids. They're, we've had amazing young men go through this program that have gone on to do great things in basketball and outside of basketball. Shout out Andrick. Shout out Andrick, my guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little more than 20 years ago, but um, but guys like that, like just to see the cat, this is a great group. And so they're really easy to root for. And I think that shows up on the floor too, because the effort level that you get night in and night out has been top notch. And, and that's, you know, that's what we're all about is playing with great energy, playing with great intensity, being selfless as a player, but also as a, as a person, um, you know, and, and don't, I always tell our guys, what we're trying to get done is too hard for one guy to do. It takes a whole team to do it. And everybody's got to, you know, the old saying, know your role, play your role, star in your role, different things like that. But as you said, and, and I'm always very cautious and, and conscious of this. When we talk about the positives of our team, we're not degrading anything that's happened before. As I said, we got to understand our past, but that's in the rearview mirror. Let's attack today and be able to forge to the future. And and we know the good and the bad in the past. And you know this group is is a unique group, and we got to get better to make the next step. But I think they're a type of group that can get it done. A great postseason run. You're into the off season. I think the biggest question on Bulls fans' minds is: Is Q coming back? Yeah, you know, a decision hasn't been made yet. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback with the NBA. Um, still a little banged up, able to do some workouts and different things like that. But, you know, we'll know a little more in the next 14 days, really, is is, is when it is. And But he's back. He's, ta- he's in classes, um, taking classes, working out with our guys, doing a really good job of that. So, you know, this is the way it is, this is an important thing to do now. Because you get the feedback, you get an understanding, you get information that guys in the past weren't able to get, um, and he needs to use that not only if he does come back, not only to make him a better player for us, but if he decides to stay in and to be able to get ready for the next step. So two things. One, um, if you can't give us an update on LaQuincy's professional status, can you do that for Kit Loxa? Because we'd also really like to know if she's coming back for the, for the women's team. And, and two... Um, sometimes there's a difference between what a player needs to do to get to the NBA and what they need to do to help your team win. Let's take, let's assume Quincy comes back and let's take the, the league out of it for maybe not in his head, but maybe for just a second. What does he need to do to get this team to the next level next season? Well, you know, I, I, I think what he needs to do is an umbrella for a lot of our guys. We have to shoot the ball better. We have to shoot the ball better from the free throw line. And we have to do a better job of our assist-to-turnover ratio now. He had the best assist-to-turnover ratio for us. So that's not as, as big of a deal for him. Um, but all our guys, you know, uh, we they're going to move. It the, looks like they're going to move the three-point line back to the international line. So we got to shoot the ball better from the three. And we definitely got to shoot the ball better from the free throw line. And we got to do a better job of taking care of the basketball. So, you know, Obviously, Quincy was the defensive player of the year, led the league in assists, um, had some huge offensive nights for us. But with him as a senior, with David now as a junior, you know, maybe the premier backcourt in the in the league. Those two guys need to do a great job of leading us as well. And I thought we we got really good leadership this year. 
But at the same time, if we all want to take a step forward, then everybody's got to do everything a little bit better. I know you don't have a ton of knockdown guys, but I think the line moving back is going to help you because of the way you defend the perimeter. So it'll almost give you a little bit more space to force because you put teams on their heels when you really go out and stretch the line. So I I saw that and I was like, oh, that's not good for us. We don't shoot a very well. But we defend so much better and it's going to put it's going to force teams to maybe put it on the deck and try and get to the rim. And we help so much better than most of the teams well, in the league. You know, it's funny because you look at our percentage and like you said, we we didn't shoot the ball great and, and we still set the single season mark for most three pointers made. Right. And because and, we do take them, you know, what I mean, and I think that one of the steps is for the guys to feel confident and have the know that the coaches have confidence in it. Um, and, you know, when we were really good, we were making the shots, you know, and so hopefully we'll be able to continue to improve in that. Hey, speaking of the three point shot, you've got a guy who's coming off the, uh, you know, he was redshirted, transferred, Zach Dawson. Rumor has it, he's a knockdown shooter. True or false? He's a good shooter. You know, I, I have high standards when it comes to knockdown shooter. He's he he knows how to play. He's got a, a great feel for the game, and he can't he can shoot the ball. Um, he got great quickness, great athletic ability. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that um, I think is going to make a good impact for us next year. I really believe that. Similar to what those other guards, and there was times where we needed another guard, and we didn't have that this year so i think next year our depth at the guard spot is going to be really good yeah uh, and you're replacing tj lang his defense was phenomenal towards the end of the year uh, where where does zach fit in uh on the tj spectrum of defending the perimeter well yeah i mean and and, and tj really grew in that defensive side at the end of the year he he was as good as anybody we had and and so the difference is zach naturally has the ability to become a better defender, but TJ had five years of experience as well. And Zach only played one semester at Oklahoma State, uh, but he was with us all year long, so his transition should be fairly quick because he knows our system and terminology and different things like that. Uh, but then getting out there and doing it in the game is a little different as well. Yeah, Pat Riley had this, this uh, kind of quote and mantra, the disease of more. You know, you, you have a lot of success, and, you know, here the CBI is a lot of success. How do you try to temper the, okay, well, we've done it. I was a big part of it. Now I want to do more of it. Well, you know, I, I think one thing is we, we need to evaluate what we're going to determine success in this program as. Obviously, you know, making the postseason and winning it was a great first step. But playing in the CBI down the road is not what we aspire to do. Um, we want to battle for championships in this league. Uh, as I you know, said before we started, we were 0-7 against the, the NCAA tournament teams in our league, 8-3 and against everybody else. We need to, now we need to, and we were able to compete in those seven games. We just weren't good enough to win them. Now you need to get to a point where you're good enough to win some of them. And then you get a good to the point where you're good enough to win all of them, you know, and that doesn't mean you win all of them, but you're good enough to. And so, um, you know, I think our guys are were excited, but they were far from satisfied. And I think they're hungry for more. And 
if they are, then we'll be able to take the steps that we talk about. And, and um, I think our guys have a lot loftier goals and aspirations, and I think that will act as a driving force. And at the same time, when you, when you go into the summer, everything we do talk about is about individual improvement and, and self-development. Uh, and we'll start as we get ready to make our trip to, to uh, Montreal and Quebec. We'll start getting more team stuff in there. Coach, I'm going to actually head up on that trip with you. I just, I just got my Canadian citizenship about two months ago, and I'm actually going to make my first trip as a Canadian citizen to the motherland, uh, to Montreal. So it's going to be a fun trip. <clears throat> um, that 10 days in Montreal, how many practices do you get? And what are you trying to get out of it? So we'll get 10 practice days prior to, prior to leaving. We're going to play four games. Um, really good schedule, really good teams that we're going to play. Um, they're, they're university teams for the most part, so they practice year-round. They're not governed by the NCAA. Some, uh, I, I read this article once, I think it was on McGill, who has this incredible team that's like dominated Canadian basketball forever. Um, that, that, but one of the advantages that they say is that because they can practice right. year-round and there's no limits, that they can just sort of, they, they could beat a lot of Americans. The other one is Carleton. Carleton, and, and, yeah. and they've beaten Cincinnati, Wisconsin, and, and it looks like we're going to be able to play them as well. So that will be that will be a great test for us. But when we go out there, we're gonna, everybody's going to play, going to look at different things, to get the young guys some minutes out there, get some guys who need some more minutes out there to, to play. But at the same time, use that as an opportunity to build next year's team. You know, because every team's a little different. As you mentioned, you know, there's challenges as you end with some success to continue to build forward. So we're going to use that time to do that. And including the Canada trip, you, you guys are going to the Cayman Islands uh, early in the year. Uh, what went to that process and how important is that to, you know, come out of that tournament with uh, some success? Well, you know, I, I think that what they call them is MTEs, which is the multi-team exempt tournaments. Those are a big part of your non-conference scheduling. They're a big part of building your non-conference strength of schedule, RPI, net ranking, all those different things. So you try to find games and, and tournaments that are going to be challenging. Obviously, Nebraska, new coach, a lot of new players coming in. Um, new Mexico State is in it. Colorado State is in it. Loyola, that was a Final Four team two years ago. They'll be picked to probably win the Missouri Valley. So we're going to be challenged out there. So that's one of the first things you look at. The second thing is you want to try to go to places where our guys don't wouldn't normally go. You know, um, the TV coverage, CBS Sports, and different things like that. All that stuff is is part of it. And to be honest, the other thing is, for us, it's an easy trip. You know, it's an easy trip. And uh, Direct flights so, every day at a Tampa yeah, International. Yeah. And the, the, the problem with some of the ones out west is how hard it is when you get back those next two games. It's There's a lot of you know, jet lag and different things like that. That doesn't mean we won't play in it, but this was a good fit. Plus, we get a fourth game at home uh, against a quality opponent as well. Don't take away our Vegas trips. You got to do like one every five years. 
Is that, the, get, is that the rule? That is kind of I the rule. I think that's Colin's rule. Yeah, it is. Yeah, my 30th birthday, we actually celebrated with USF basketball in Vegas. So, like, you, you got to do, like, one every, like, five. I mean, there's, like, 900 tournaments out in Vegas. I mean, yeah, you got Thanksgiving, the, problem the Christmas is I, I have a two-day limit in Vegas. So if, <laughs> so if we go out there, it's, it's going to be a, maybe one game or two games at the most. Real quick, talk about the players that we haven't seen yet who haven't gotten on the court. Well, I mean, I think one, you know, one guy that is, is, you know, obviously just one week of workouts, but I, I really like the progress Sean Williams made during the year. I think he's got a chance to be a heck of a player for us. Uh, we talked about Zach Dawson. He had a good red shirt year. was banged up a little bit in the beginning of the year. Um, but towards the end, was able to get all the stuff done that we needed. Um, our two incoming guys will show up on June 18th in uh, B.J. Mack, who played at Oak Hill and obviously was one of the top four teams in the country. And when he started playing a little more, you know, on those teams, sometimes you can be really good and only play 10 or 12 minutes, you know. Um, And then Jameer Chaplin, you know, lost in the state finals. They won it as a junior, lost in the state finals, but had a phenomenal senior year. So, um, you know, those guys are the type of guys that we talk about, really good players, high-level kids, and they're workers. So they're going to keep getting better and better and better for us. Uh, For recruiting, I mean, for basketball, you have so many, you know, roster limitations. You only had the two scholarships open with Big Nick and TJ leaving. And you're in a kind of a flux situation. If Q leaves, there's another scholarship open. How do you balance, you know, 2019 class recruiting just in case and then looking forward to 2020, 2021? Yeah, you know, and and we only have two the following year as well because Quince and uh, Antuna are only seniors. But you're always recruiting more guys than than scholarships you have available because of situations that come up. So we're actively recruiting some 2019, some transfers, some different things in case a scholarship opens up. Um, You know, so the recruiting is a never-ending business, you know, and and, um, I think we've done a really good job of identifying and, and you look within the state first in the 2020, 2021, 2022 class. Um, you know, we have offers out to some younger kids than uh, we did when we first got it because we've been able to see them. We've been able to get them on campus for games, uh, practices, and different things like that. So I'm, I'm not. I'm one of those coaches. There, there's a philosophy. You throw out as many offers as you can, and whatever sticks kind of sticks. Uh, I think that kind of um, devalues the scholarship offer. Mm-hmm. We, we, we treat scholarship offers like gold. You okay. know, if I'm offering a kid, that kid and his family knows that I really want him to be part of our program. Um, and I think that resonates with the kind of guys that we want to recruit. So uh, when we make those offers, those are those are important moments, not only for our program, but also hopefully for the recruit. Uh, so, Coach, uh, where where do you see this program heading in you know two to three years? Uh, when you got the program, where what are you on track? Are you ahead of track? I mean, clearly uh, the CBI kind of pushes things yeah. forward. We've claimed it's you know. This, this was your minus one. This was your minus one. You won the CBI in your minus one. So which we're is, in zero. Uh, this is zero. your zero. This round is your zero. zero. You inherited. I don't think people understand that you inherited one of maybe one of the most difficult situation, if not the most difficult situation in the country. And the fact you've turned it around in your minus one. 
you talked about those nine players you had to bring in the first year and the seven you had to bring in the, six, the second year. But to get it to where you've gotten it this quickly, I mean, it's a miracle. I mean, it is nothing short of a miracle. Well, make sure you keep telling people that. <laughs> Uh, M. Kelly so at mail.usf. So, so where, where, where are we? We're in a good spot to continue to, to build. You know, um, what I, our vision for the program is um, to win, win championships, play in the postseason, win in the postseason, win postseason championships. When we talk about the basketball side of things in terms of what the results are for the, our type of program. Um, now, as I've always said, the rebuilding is never linear. You know, it just doesn't keep going up. There's drops and hills and valleys in that. Um, but the, the key is when you, when you hit a valley that it's higher than what the hill was before that. And so I just think, you know, we need to, we don't change our key concepts, our core values or anything like that. We got to keep getting better every day. We're not good enough. We, I said it in in uh, in uh, one of the post games in the CBI. We were not good enough to make the NCAA tournament. So that's what has to drive us. We weren't good enough to get the an NIT bid. Now, the NIT is a whole different animal now because of the automatic bids that go in. Because you could be good enough, and there's just not enough right. spots anymore. You right. know what I mean? It's changed dramatically, and I'm not sure everybody understands that either. Yeah, you were better than 97th best team in the country this yeah, year, for and, sure. And, and so, you know, when when the NIT comes out, there could only be 16 at-large teams that get it because of the automatic qualifiers. But that's for a different podcast. <laughs> so, you know, we need to get better. And that's something that we drive our guys in every every single day. And when we get to the point that we want to get to, then we're good enough. And until you get there, you're not good enough. And you got to be okay with it. And you got to keep fighting and challenging yourself to get there. Well, Coach, thanks for coming out. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. This is uh, a beautiful night here in South Tampa. We are all excited uh, for your team for next season. Um, season tickets on sale now. I believe they've already sent out renewals from last year. Yeah, they did, and and and, and I, I'd be remiss. We had great fan support this year. I think it was over 2,000 more fans per game during the conference season than we had last year. So we're starting to build it. Um, you know, the more our story gets out there and what we're building and the type of guys we're building it with, and you guys have done a great job of that because you guys see those guys, you know, 24 times a year, you know, and, and are able to interview them and be around them and different things like that. We just got to keep doing it because, you know, this is a great place, a special city, great university, and, and we want to build a basketball program that everybody can be proud of. The best bargain in sports in Tampa Bay next year is going to be those suites that are you can purchase them by the game that comes with free food and whatever all all you can eat all you can drink you're sitting center court you know looking up and you're going to watch some really good basketball and this is for the men's team and the women's team next year it's the best bargain in tampa and if you're not getting i mean get in now and well i'll say it because you can't rumor is we're gonna have a game or two downtown here at amelie a little closer to here at the patio in tampa <laughs> just throwing it up there oh man coach's face coach's like, face is like oh really i can I say got it. you can't say it coach pleading the fifth coach you can play the fifth i i really like this patio bar <laughs> 
I can't hang out here, but if I could, I would. How about that? Coach, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming. Uh, thanks, thanks for guys. It. Appreciate it, Coach. All right, Colin, uh, that was awesome. Thanks to Coach Brian Gregory for coming out to the patio and speaking with us for like half an hour, 45 minutes. It was it was great. Kind of flew by. We uh, could have done two hours oh, with him, sure. and we would have very much annoyed him because we've been drinking beer, and he hadn't had one yet. Yeah. So, um, But thanks to Coach for being here. Uh, again, I think this was such a great turnout tonight, and everybody like looked like they had a great time. Thanks to Jeff Fishman. Thanks to the patio. Um, we're going to try and do this a little bit more often, especially over the summer. Wednesday nights here in South Tampa on McDill. This is like... Honestly, it's this primo. Is, this is my favorite bar. It has always been my favorite bar. This was my favorite bar before Jeff and I were friends. You know, so I and Jeff, for those of you who don't know, Jeff Fishman, uh, his office is next door. So that's sort of how, but I, like, this was always my favorite bar. As I can prove with my mug that's right here that they don't even make anymore. And they stopped making these mugs about 2015. Um, but this place is great. And when the weather's good, there's no better place to be in Tampa. And so we would, we're going to try and get, and turnout tonight was great. A lot of Bulls fans, a lot of people were really happy that we were here, so we're going to yep. keep it going. Vito. Follow Absolutely. Jeff Fishman at USF Iron Bull. And I literally cannot hear you because I don't have a headset on. Well, they can hear me, so. That's the important thing. They can hear. They can hear. It's fine. Also, uh, Bulls block party coming up August 17th, day after my birthday. Happy birthday, Tickets Nate. go on sale tomorrow, I believe. They're either going to go on sale tomorrow or Friday. They're going to get tickets up. Early bird tickets are $15. Late bird tickets are $20. If you roll up like a slacker to uh, the Italian club in Ebor, uh, they're going to be twenty-five. They're going to be $25. So buy them in advance. Um, this is a tremendous event, and the Tampa, the Ch Tampa chapter of the Alumni Association has done an incredible job making this like a thing. There were, I think, they sold fourteen hundred tickets last year. It's going to be yeah, more than that this year. There was a lot of people there last year. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Senator Giggity and I and uh, my uh, almost wife and. It <laughs> And some other Two people were there, and it was a lot of fun. And it was a was, hell of a time. It was a hell and of a time. It is a block party. It's not, again, never, ever, ever call it a bar crawl. It is not 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 a bar crawl. It's family friendly, but it's not a bar crawl. It is not a bar crawl, and it's going to be on... August 17th, again, um, which is great because it's week minus one because week zero this year is Florida, Miami, and Orlando. So I think that was part of the reason that they just decided to do it week minus one. Up, yeah, Because a lot of, you know, I'm a college football fan. A lot I, of the Bull Gators. Uh, I'm going to the Florida-Miami game. So, you know. Right, do you for mean those actual uh, University of Florida boosters or the people that are half-assed in this? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So... Um, Colin, you've got a pretty popular podcast on uh, 813area.com that's uh, kind of taken off a little bit. What do you got for it? Yeah, Dishonorable Mention has been a huge success for us. Um, it is four people that I truly love and have um, really come to, to just love and respect, and they've done such a great job promoting this thing. If you're interested in politics, current events, we get both the left and the right on there. Um, it's Ernest Hooper from the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, uh, Becca Teeter, who is an area um, activist, uh, active in women's issues. Chris Latavla, who we won't hold it against him, who almost was here tonight. If he didn't have an event, he was going to come. But he is a UCF grad. And uh, uh, I know, boo. But uh, we love Chris. Chris is a UCF grad and a Republican, and yet somehow he, we're very good friends. <laughs> Could not, <laughs> not be quite more sure opposite. how that happened. Uh, but I love the guy. He's been, and he's, you know, 
the honesty that you'll see some from somebody who is actually like actively a member of the state legislature and like has to still get reelected, and he just goes on the podcast and just fires flames, and it's terrific. I'm a and, and also, person. this is great. A a friend of our podcast over here as well, Doctor Carla Stevenson Mastraccio. Um, and she was on Carla, that fire flame uh, episode who, who, last and, week. Who, and Carla throws fire on both oh, podcasts, man. but man, did she did she bring the heat uh, last time we did this? So, um, if you're interested in politics, current events in Florida, they went up to Tallahassee, interviewed a bunch of state legislatures. They also interviewed Commissioner of Agriculture Nikki Freed. A lot of talk about marijuana on that podcast. If you like pot, go back and listen to the Nikki Freed pod. Uh, it is terrific. Um, but yeah, dishonorable mention's been a great success for us. Also, um, we'll send out an email about this later. But uh, Ralph the lawyer has a podcast. Now, his first great episode is what to do if you get pulled over if you get a DUI. And don't blow. Don't blow is basically the, the long term, but um, he makes Boy, the law really DR. fun and interesting. Um, don't blow. Ralph Duito is like one of my dudes and does a really amazing podcast about legal in Florida. So check that out as well. Yep. Uh, all right. So, uh, Senator Giggity, if yes, you sir. could hand the microphone to the person to your right. Uh, well, we've been avoiding that for the past couple of weeks, but <laughs> here we go. Here we I go. felt like a real dickhead about this. I'd like you to know this. All right. Same. Welcome to the podcast. First time? Yes. Holy hell. No, Carl, oh, you've been on before. Are you you've sure? been on before when we were here. No, this was that we were. I was on when you guys did the interview with, I think it was Harlan, back at the yes. Bulls Radio Studio. Okay, so, okay, so you have it on the podcast. So that Carl. is the only time. About two and a half years. So one and a half weeks isn't that long, if you really think about it. <laughs> it's a drop in the bucket, really. <laughs> so I'll, I'll own this. I made the executive decision, and I suspended Carl from Slack for about a week and a half. It was not an executive decision. That was a dictator's decision. <laughs> it was, he sort of went dictator. It was I'll a, own it. I'll own I, it. And to be fair, I think I was I Carl's biggest advocate. You were. You were. I and think it I shocked was. me a little bit. I'll be honest. I, but I love. We okay, get look, it. Carl, go ahead. You go first. I explained it as too many yellow cards. Carl, understandably, was like, hey, well, he gave me the middle finger and was like, fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, that's fair. Probably should have taught. I didn't give him a yellow card. So it, the getting the too many yellow cards uh, means you have to get one beforehand, and he didn't. So it was it's kind of rogue. a straight red, but it, it was a straight. It was a straight red. I'll be honest. It was, you know, a ticky. It was a ticky tack foul for a really bad joke that you made. I'll be honest. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, you you went away for a week and a half, and um, you know, welcome back. It's your it's your first day back. Uh, I I think we're gonna go back into general tonight, and we'll go from there. Uh, you missed some things. <laughs> I'm not surprised like the by entire this. Entire logo that story. Yeah, I, the logo. Uh, some scheduling announcements. I think there was another big thing that happened. Barcelona throwing a uh, blowing a three. Oh, yeah, you missed the best that, league oh of Champions I've ever seen. Champions League slack was on it's fire. On I'm the it, it, it's, it's actually funny because that was probably the best timing because all those games were going on. I'm like, I have to be plugged in for work right now. That actually ended up being fantastic timing. You're welcome. Like, my good, yeah, basically. <laughs> Carl has three promotions in the past week and a half. The damnedest thing. <laughs> so you know what happens when you're going to really use a microphone else. to talk it like no, in the exactly. background now, buddy. And, you know, Colin was talking about it earlier today. Like he'll say something controversial or uh, troll worthy on Twitter. Go away for a little bit, and so you can get some work done. You, you know, know I can't leg- Twitter. Legitimately copy, like full credit to the tweet that I made about the records against the P5 over the last three years today. The tweet that I made, full credit to my buddy Ryan Smith, our our host for the USF Georgia Tech game this year. 
Um, so Ryan uh, lives in Atlanta. He is an Emory undergrad and going to Emory Law School as well. But he was the one who came up with that stat. I just copy pasted it. Uh, but I did that because I had a lot of work to do. And I figured if I did that, my Twitter feed would get so awful with with um, Citrobots that I, I would not be able to like even look at it for the next two hours. Citrobots. Shout out Nick Simon. Uh, Nick Simon. Uh, Nick Citrobots, Simon, that's going to be a real thing now. Where That is their uh, official name. And, uh, yeah, there's some other things, if you guys haven't noticed on Twitter, that uh, we do referring to uh, that school and Our Oviedo. friends up the street. So, yeah. And, by the way, for, speaking of our friends up the street, shout out to Jeff Sharon. For Jeff actually, Sharon, he's black, the very black solid commentary. SB Nation's UCF site. My uh, man kept it real. He, and he finally told the truth, and uh, we, we told him, dude, you're going to find out about the real – C dot fan base, and he's finding out about it. And uh, as I understand it, if he survives the next two weeks, it'll be a trial by fire, and it's it, all the. Oh but boy. that is our dude, and, and shout out to Jeff for that. And by the way, good good time to point out that he's right because you know how many games our friends up the street have scheduled in 2021. So far, so far, so far, that would be so one. Far. You know how many they've scheduled for 2023? Zero. That would be zero. Oh, is this is another donut season? <laughs> they're, uh, so they're, they're cutting ratio. checks to bring in Arkansas State for a million bucks no, uh, at the last minute ratio. to try and get a schedule for those years. Um, just be ready that uh, Jay Sharon warned you. Yep. Uh, there's a question uh, that someone that was here tonight wanted me to answer. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw last uh, last week and a half or so. Uh, I kind of railed about the conference uh, voting against the wishes of the athletic directors in the uh, third assistant coach, third paid assistant coach in baseball. And uh, what I've been told was uh, Cincinnati's associate AD may have gone rogue. Uh, and by may have, I mean, eh, probably went rogue and voted no when everyone in the conference, it was an eight to three vote for yes in the conference to pass on the third, pace, the third assistant coach being paid, which is not the case right now. There's some legal mumbo jumbo that made it a little awkward. Um, it turned the volunteer position into a paid position and did not leave the uh, the volunteer position intact, uh, which kind of made people a little iffy about it because it, the entire process was to get the student to coach ratio down to a level that's acceptable. Baseball has one of the worst uh, coach to player ratios in all of college sports and it, it shows again and uh, hopefully we'll get an answer in July from Mike Oresco about it. Me, you know, kind of corner him at, at the Newport Country Club in uh, Rhode Island during the media days. Hopefully get something because uh, the answer that the conference gave wasn't satisfactory at all. Uh, there, there's still a lot of question marks and a lot of questions to be had. Well, they pretty much just pointed out that single uh, volunteer position getting turned into a coach position. That's about it. Yeah, and that seemed apparently that confused a lot of people. Um, people I've spoken to that are, are not associated with the league have said that's complete crap, and they knew what they were signing up for. And uh, the associate AD just kind of went rogue. And it looks like a lot of other conferences went rogue as well, going against the wishes of their athletic directors, which they'll have to answer for in the future. But we're here. Uh, no paid assistant coach. And I know USF uh, baseball head coach Billy Mall was really pissed off. Uh, he wasn't pissed off, but he was really advocating for 
getting a paid assistant coach in there because the guy that they brought in, Brian Drollman, has been fantastic for the hitters this year. Uh, Joe Janord should not be in, should not be playing college baseball. He's hitting like 360 with like 14 homers. He should not be playing college baseball anymore. Um, he's really improved. Kyle Phillips has been phenomenal. Freshman Alex Bellow has been great. And they've got a huge series coming up this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, against Wichita State. Win two of three, you're in the conference tournament. If you lose two, uh, you're staying home. And it sucks because the conference tournament's in Clearwater, and that means that we get to miss out on Delco's uh, cheesesteaks, which is horrible. Cheesesteak day is the best day of the conference tournament every year. This is is unfortunate. Um, Go anyway. Yeah, like... I mean, did, anyway. did you apply for I got the email. Have you applied for your credentials uh, yet? Not yet. I'll be on my honeymoon during, uh, Tuesday through Friday, Saturday of the tournament. So, if, I mean, if USF ends up in the championship game, I'll be there. <clears throat> I'm not holding my breath. I don't think the pitching will hold up for, like, six games in four days. Especially as an eight seed going against the one seed right. in the opening game. <laughs> uh, expect, I mean, we do still own ECU's soul, so that could help. Sure. But... But ECU is a, like ECU. It's a different ECU team from the last two years, where they're ranked highly, but still kind of mess everything up late in the year. This team seems like they might actually be good. Can you get Talking it? about Greenville? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing good is in ever. Is, it, it, there's no good thing in Greenville. I'm sorry. That's also true. It's like Mudville, but worse. It's like Gainesville, but worse. That's a true story. So, uh, yeah. No Pirates in Greenville. Unfortunately, uh, let's just go real recap. Men's golf. Uh, crashed out of the NCAA tournament uh, out in California. Uh, what was funny, entering today, they had a chase uh, Ole Miss, who was coached by former USF men's golf coach Chris Malloy, which was uh, heartbreaking and sad. Uh, this team's very young. There's no seniors on the roster currently. Uh, Albin Bergstrom, who's a freshman, a freshman of the year, he's, he's going to be phenomenal. Uh, the dude is great. Flex. And this is with USF missing out on two guys who have made close to a million dollars on the PGA Tour over the last two years. Uh, that TOEFL really fucks people up. And that's the reason why they're not at USF, and they're on the tour making real money. Uh, this team's heading in the right direction. Uh, Steve Bradley's got the team going in the right direction. Women's golf is on the, going in the right direction. The impressive gotcha showing in their school. conference tournament. Uh, I think they improved four spots from last year. Uh, they may actually be good. Uh, but Let's say in the in the country club sports, the, the four tennis and golf sports, we should probably be winning the league as much as we don't. Absolutely, for sure. We're yeah. missing a key country club sport though, and it, it's not really a country club sport. Women's sailing, they're yeah. I mean they're heading to nationals, like they're they're competing for a national championship this year. Again, for the it's pretty country club five times in six years. I mean, I I, I want to give credit to them because I have a friend that was actually on that sailing team. Oh, no. Nice. Graduated from my high school. Fair. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic program that they built there and probably one of the most consistent, consistently good programs that USF has had. And obviously, we don't really talk about them much because they're in St. Pete, but... It's amazing. We have a, an Olympic gold medalist on our coaching staff, and we just sort of, like, never talk about it. Allison Dolly's won on a gold medal. She's the second USF gold medalist. Can you name the first one? Not Ken Erickson. He didn't actually win. He was a coach. They don't get a medal. Um, uh, softball player? Gigi Fernandez for women's tennis. She won. Not only did she win a what the ton hell? of... Dude, was I born when she was here? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like 2004 or 5. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she won a she won an Olympic gold medal as a in doubles 
and she won a ton of majors, uh, like Wimbledon as a doubles player, but she never, I, she never won one as a singles player. Um, but she was USF's coach for like three, four years, and Tom she graduated Sherman, from USF everyone. too. She's interested to agree here. And uh, you know the big thing. Uh, Friday, Tallahassee Regional, USF Softball, led Let's by go, baby. Coach Ken Erickson and the star sophomore pitcher, Georgina Cork, who her 47.2 straight scoreless innings will stand the test of time. Uh, they've got a tough draw. They face... Guy got screwed on the draw. I, I can't remember who this is. I believe... Carolina. South uh, Carolina, they play South Carolina uh, and... Florida State and someone else. Bethune-Cookman. Bethune-Cookman. Now, I believe somebody had a early, early call on this pitcher, and nobody else believed it. I don't know oh. who it was. Oh, yes. Oh. I told everyone before Georgina's freshman year, I think she's going to be good. She plays for the British national team. And all and I heard said, was this old man go, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. The British national team, what are you talking about? And here we are. Worst that, that, that would be me. Ball. I got to eat this one. Shots fired. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting shot. Uh, that's good. Um, Cork needs a nickname at this point. <sighs> like, she, the fact that she does not have a nickname is a failure of all of us who cover this team. Um, Mostly you. We got to make this happen. Like, we'll figure it out. Spell Cork with a capital K. What? Oh. Cork with a capital K. Cork with a capital K? Uh, that has, that, I mean, it's it's good for a, Twitter. A frontwards K and then a backwards K in her last name. Yeah. yeah, yeah there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Those three in the row. That's not good. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. Um, so they'll, you know, Ken's done a tremendous job as always. 40 game, won 40 games once again. And uh, is this before Ken mentally checks out before the 2020 Olympics? Is this our last run before? This might be the <laughs> last run before he turns his attention to Team USA. So it might, uh, might need to do something here. Yeah. I, I, this is what this is one chance because in 2024, they're not in the Olympics again. I don't think softball so it's made now it. they're out again? I think that's this what it was like. This is one shot. It was I like mean, a one-off shot, spaghetti. and they're, they're done. Make up your mind, International Olympic Committee. Like, either way, it's fine, but pick one. Hey, rock climbing's back in. Or rock climbing is in, actually. Skateboarding's in, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's some uh, weird trial. Uh, goddamn X Games? I don't know. And meanwhile, we're still, we're still doing the modern sports old. <laughs> All right. Um, we got a couple guests on the pod that we want to just say a quick hello to. First and uh, foremost. First and foremost. Uh, Pippa. The Corgi winner. His daddy, or her daddy. There it is. There it is. Uh, Pippa on the pod. We finally got it. It's a pit pod. Pup the cast. pit pod. The podcast. Podcast. Uh, and then we also have USF fan of the year, Lauren Piquel. Say what's up, girl. Piquel. <laughs> what's up, girl? Oh, girl. that's not good. <laughs> How's life? Great. Are you too famous for us now? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to bill you after this. Can you get us uh, boxes in the Seminole Hard Rock Miami Stadium? Uh, I absolutely cannot. Get the hell out of here. Not the answer we wanted. (laughs) Awful. Awful. Um, We got all the USF famous fans out here today. Pippa's still just about it. Football starting up soon. Can't wait. A lot of transfers. I'm excited. Devin Studd still. Patrick Macon. Uh, got a 2019 recruit. Who's I'm super excited one. about Joe Heiss getting fired. Oh, that he may be uh, leaving sorry, on his sorry, own accord. Not renewed. <laughs> uh, logo, peace out, goodbye. Uh, probably the Daily Stampede's biggest win. It's up there. Um, You're welcome. So the so the thing with the logo is that um, hashtag Gonzo journalism. Like we we had it on Friday. To be fair, I think the only people that we know that credited us were Channel 28. The Channel 28 Saturday night. Quick question. What's this we and Friday bullshit? 
What? All right, you had it what on Tuesday? Great. Uh, well, yeah, but we you had right. Uh, What's your name? Put your name on it. None of your fucking business. My name's Deep Throw. Go fuck yourself, Grandpa. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. You better keep that in. <laughs> oh, that's definitely I'm saying it. Yeah, you don't put your name on it. It doesn't count because then if you're wrong, nobody gives a shit because you're not. Yeah, the ghost that's how this of Jim Henson. You got to put your name on it. Confirm. And by the way, I added a lot of information to what you may or may not have yeah, put I out there. Yeah, I was out of town. Anonymous. Fuck off. So, um, so we put that out on Friday. Credit to Joey Knight as well. Um, but then basically everybody else just like told us to go screw. Because welcome to the modern media environment in 2019. Um, but yeah, like, look, we can bitch and moan and complain about it, or we can like be all right, all right, lesson learned and move on. And I think we should be like lesson learned and moved on here. Yeah, that was a terrible we, idea. Don't ever fucking do it again. That's a nice catch, Hayes. Don't ever fucking do it again. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's good. Um, as BG enough did, of his old label shit. As BG uh, did not mention, we're gonna get a basketball schedule here relatively soon. I think you're gonna see some games down here, down here at Amelie. Um, to try I and think get you the did city mention bump? that actually. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he loves the patio. Oh oh! Get excited! Oh my god! If you can't beat the Indian Barrel Ground, you go somewhere else. You can go somewhere else. The only time U.S. ever made, uh, ever made a conference tur- uh, na- ever NCAA won a game in the tournament NCAA- game. Ever won a game in an NCAA tournament? Well, game. All the home games were at Amelie, so let's, uh, Amelie. let's run that shit back. So let's go. Back, let's get back to Amelie. That's gonna happen. Bol- bolts, bol- bolts, what? The bolts, the bolts. All right. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm right. Sorry. Right. Um, the hockey team claims to play there, but they don't win playoff games. All right, so. Pip is done with this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So are we? Uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks for listening. Go Bolts. Check us out. Stampede FBN. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, what do you want, Vito? We have some scheduling news, don't we? We kind of, I think. Oh, we, no, we, we don't. Talk about a little bit. Oh, I guess. Read our tweets. Right. So, uh, Miami, two for one. Uh, 2025, 20, yep. 2027, 2028, or something like that. If you want to read our. Guarantee? I haven't gotten the contract yet. Okay. If you want to read our schedule, check anybody that goes to UCF's Twitter account. They'll know. Oh, seriously. They know that thing by heart right now. Why are they so upset? Why are. You know you don't have a microphone and no one can hear you, Warren. Say it. It's a podcast. Why are you so obsessed with us, UCF? Rent free. Congrats to Rent Free. Georgia um, Tech week two, 2 p.m. on the a- ACC network. Who's going? Me. Uh, I think all of us will be going. Um, Atlanta, Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Uh, literally Hot Atlanta. Hosted by Ryan Smith. Literally called the world of Coke. I have. So I had some discussions with our friends at the Alumni Association. We're going to coordinate whatever we do. Up in Atlanta with them. We're going they to the vortex. Parties, baby. So we're gonna Let's go. We're either gonna we're gonna do something and they're gonna do something. We're gonna do something together, whatever it is. But we're gonna work together on this. So they just got a game time. So we're gonna let them work with that, and then we're gonna pull something together. Are they so gonna be cool? Going the Claremont Atlanta, Lounge. Be prepared. Friday night, we are rolling somewhere. We're gonna have a stampede party. It's gonna be Liddy and Flitty. What is the that, is you're that, so old is, is that ATL rap? Wow. All right. I'm sorry, uh, Brian Gregory, for that. Just that. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Bluminati podcast. I'm drunk a little bit. Woo. Shout out to head coach. Baluma lady. <laughs> Baluma Pippa. You Shout realize you don't have a microphone and no one can coach, hear Brian you? Brian Gregory for coming on to the pod. Traveling all the way to South Tampa First and last. Uh, to hang out with us. Uh, thanks for all the fans that came out. I really appreciate it. And uh, go Bulls. Go, go Bulls. Bulls. Nathan Hi, for getting married on Saturday. Woo! Woo!